Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you and to look at your word. We ask that you just bless us as we look at your word. We thank you for the time of some questions and answers that we've just had. And, and guide and lead us as we start opening this psalm in your son's name. Amen. Psalm 103. A psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewards us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knows our frames and remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall, not know, it no, shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness and to the children's children. To such as keep his covenant and those that remember his co commandments to do them. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels and excel, that excel in strength and do his commandments. Hearken unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all, all you his host, ye ministers of his, of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all the works of the, and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All right, we're going to look at this one because you think, about, you think about this idea, bless the Lord. How many of us think about blessing the Lord in our day-to-day -day walk? This is, um, this, in this command here, it is a command. This is an imperative command. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This, this is one of those things that many people do have this kind of thought pattern of, well, when I, that blessing God is an emotion. Worshiping God is an emotion. And you know what? We do feel good about it at times, but God commands us to bless him. And blessed here literally means to bow the knee. Bow the knee to God. Or humble ourselves, because he's talking about, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and the soul does not literally have a knee, but the whole idea of bowing to somebody, taking and kneeling down, especially in David's day and in medieval days, was you are the one who is above me. I am humbling my life to bow down to you. And this would happen when you were went before the king, and we see it all the time in the movies, and it's a very good and true statement. But what do you do? What did they do the first thing when they walked down into the king? They went down to their knee. Okay, in the middle, in the in Asia, they bow to one another. Even to this day, I think it's breaking down a little bit. But even to this day, they bow. 
And that can be as little as a kind of a head nod if they're, if they're equals and you're just acknowledging them. Two, if you watched them as they bowed to the emperor, it was a total, <laughs> total at least 90 degree, if not flat on their face in their bowing. The more you honored the person, the more you humbled yourself in their presence. Here God is saying, bless the Lord, or David is saying, for God, bless the Lord, O my soul. And soul is everything that is our internal, who we are. And David is using this as a command. I, you are to bless the Lord. It is something that's hard for us in our day and age because we don't really bow. For us in America, bowing is, is a very hard thing to do in America because we have this whole self-reliant attitude built into us that says, I don't bow down to anybody. There is, there, that is part of the American mentality. I am a self-made person. I don't bow down. I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps. In much of the world, this mentality is not ingrained into them. It's just an American thing. We, we are independent. We are fiercely independent. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying for us, it's hard for us to bow down. As, you, know, you go into churches in Europe and, and all these other places, bowing down is easy to them because that is their, it is ingrained into their natural way of doing it. And for us as Americans, we need to kind of look at, and I agree with you, I don't bow down near as much as I probably should. I have in many times bowed down and been at the altar. But it is harder for us as Americans to do this because of our natural inclination of, basically, we don't bow down to anybody. It is harder for us as Americans because of our culture. But Catholicism does it because it's what has always been done in the, in the European thing, and it was a humbling and bowing to their leaders. So again, it goes back to this cultural issues with Americans and Americans. Again, the key to this is who is he telling to bow down? He's telling his soul to bow down. Does the soul have a need to bow down on? No. This is something that I think he's saying, humble yourself before God. Now, if you can humble yourself without bowing down, that's fine. But I can tell you the times that I have actually gotten down on my face and, and bowed down before God have been very special. Okay, There is a specialness to just humbling yourself to the point where, God, I need you so much that I am going to just get flat on my face and before you. It's a hard attitude, and that's what he's saying, because he's telling his soul to bow down. But again, it's, our, it's that humbling heart attitude. Am I humbling myself before God to listen to him? As you said in your, in earlier, you, you ask him, God, what is it you want me to do? That is a bowing down before God, at least in your heart attitude. God, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do. Believe me, I've been around kids, and we used to train kids all the time. Hold, hold your hands together and bow your heads. Now, we're trying to teach them to be humble and everything, but you can be in that position and not praying to God. My hands are here and my head's down and I'm thinking about the, the football game that I'm missing. Okay, I'm not bowed down to God at all at that point. I may be looking to everybody around me that I am bowed down and honoring him, but I am not. But all, all of this is an idea of what am I humble enough to be in that position where I am being humbled. And again, 
culturally for Americans, it is a very hard thing to humble yourself. You know, we are very fiercely independent people. We don't like our government. I'm going to vote them out of office. And, you know, most countries don't have that privilege. You know, there's more nowadays, but there's, you know, especially when this was all written, you didn't have the privilege to get rid of your king. You didn't like your king. You were stuck with him until he died or was assassinated. You know, it's Fidel Castro just died yesterday, and it was the same thing. Those people did not have the opportunity to vote him out of office for the last, for the last 50 years that he's been in charge. But we look at this and says, he says, my soul, who I am, my innermost being. And then if that wasn't enough, he says, and all that is within me. And that word literally is the seat of our thoughts and emotions. So God wants everything we are in our heart and soul and, and, and our innermost thing. And then he goes, and by the way, I want all your emotions and thoughts. God wants all of us humbled to him, blessing him. And that is tough to do. Because most people will say, well, okay, God, I can give you my heart, my, my, my who I am. But, you know, my emotions and my thoughts, they're just kind of out there. God wants our thoughts and our emotions to be centered into him as well. And to most of us, this is what we really need. Because emotions are something that is kind of external but yet they're driven by who we are. What irritates us? What pleases us? And this is something that when we get God's word into us and we get so much of God in, we find those changing. And I've shared with you, I've, the more I watch TV, the less I want to watch TV because of little things that I used to think were okay that, that, that now bother me. Uh, I look back at some of the, even the good shows where the father is just barely being, being made fun of as a, as a moron, and the mom is, you know, is not all that great or is going against him. I'm going, how did I ever find any of this to be funny? Because the funniness was the, the reversal of the roles from what they were supposed to be to what they made fun of, and I'm going, I don't find this funny. I don't find jokes about marriage to be funny. I don't find things like that God says are not right to be funny. Why? Because I've given him my emotions and my thoughts and saying, God, I want you to change who I am and been changed over the years. Because I didn't make a conscious decision that these things bothered me. It's just that God has changed who I am and I look at it and say, wow, this is just so against God that it's not funny. And we grew up with these things, and it's not a surprise to me as I watch people not following God when they were raised on ungodly thought patterns. And you know, we've mentioned this so many times, the entertainment world comes against us at a different level. When we are sitting down to be entertained, what's the first thing we usually start doing? We just relax. And we don't really think about what it is that we're seeing and watching. How many times have you come to the end of a movie or a TV show or an entire night of TV and wondered, what did I just do? What did I, what did I just watch? You may be able to give the basic storyline you know, that you got caught up in, but what about all the little subplots and stuff that you didn't follow because you weren't thinking about what you were watching? It's pretty bad. I can't see on TV. See nothing on TV. 
Claire watched the Weather Channel for a long time. <laughs> it's really, it's more exciting. Yeah, really. I do, but, I do watch the Weather Channel a lot. <laughs> but how many times have you talked or maybe even said to somebody, well, I don't really listen to the music. You know, or I'm not really listening to the words. And then you watch them sing every word to the song because they've heard it so many times that they know the words. And the words are awful. Yeah. I think especially of most of the rap songs out there that are all about, you know, murdering people and killing people and raping people and and all this stuff you know and I and I never knew what they were until I actually started listening one time at a store that was listening to rap music and I'm going after two days and I could start understanding the words I'm going no we are not listening to this this garbage I spend too much time here to be listening to this garbage and but you know entertainment hits us at a different level unless we're careful and this is one of the reasons Satan uses entertainment so much because he can slide in information that we're not aware that we're getting. How many times do we sit down and we watch television and, and then we come back and say something later on and we wonder where we got it and we think about it and it came from some TV show. I used to love all these educational shows on, on, on animals and, and nature. Now I can't even listen to them because they're all about evolution. Every word of it is about evolution, it seems like, and not just telling me about the animals. This animal developed this particular nature 20 million years ago, and it's like, no, God put it into it. You know, just tell me what the animal is doing. I don't care about your philosophy. There's so much out there, and the same thing when I watch news anymore. I just want you to tell me the news. Don't tell me what you think about it or, or what I should be thinking about it. Just tell me what happened, and I will decide what I think about it. Because I really don't know you and don't care what your attitude about it is. All these things have an impact on us and we want to be very careful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Yes. And this is not something that God is making a suggestion of or even a recommendation of. This is in the imperative. It is a command. Bless the Lord. And we need to be blessing him. We need to keep this in mind. Is what I'm doing blessing God? Now, that doesn't mean we can't just relax and do nothing for, a, for short periods of time. Read a book just for the fact of being entertained, but be careful what book you're reading. Is the book going to bless God? Is the movie I'm watching going to bless God? Is the time I'm spending with my family going to bless God? And that would almost always be a blessing, depending on what your family's doing during that period of time. <coughs> but we look at and say, is what I'm doing going to bless God? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is it within me. Bless his holy name. And this, that last part is important. Bless his holy name. Is what I'm doing really going to bless the holiness of God? And we've talked about names several times. Name is every, all the reputation and that his name stands for. And we know this instinctively. You know, we could go through different businesses and we could name different businesses and people either have a positive feeling about them or a negative feeling about them because of the reputation that the business has picked up. Uh, when people hear the word Kmart, 
they, you know, they're, they're, they think of, you know, either the blue light specials or inexpensive, inexpensive place to shop, maybe not even worth shopping at. Uh, you hear the word Walmart, and usually a lot of people will go, oh, stuff made in China. Especially, <laughs> especially, now, especially now that uh, Walton is dead, you know, and gone. Wally World. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you name some other places, and they go, oh, yes, that's very high-end, uh, good quality stuff. So name has a lot of impact, and God says, bless his holy name. His holy name, his holy reputation, everything about God. And it's kind of interesting that we look at this because how many Christians don't see God's name as anything special? And not, not just his name, but just literally everything about God. I've seen some Christians that you wouldn't even know that they're Christians the way they treat God's name. And I've seen people go way too far. I've had some people that, you know, the... This, this book literally is, the, is God's word and needs to be treated really special. And, and, I, don't, and I wouldn't say throw it around or get you know, all that. But I've had people become shocked when my Bible became so old and fallen apart that I threw it away. Sorry. You know, because that's a big question for a lot of Christians. How do I get rid of a Bible because it's holy? Well, I started falling apart. It was worthless to me. I had three others that I had been using instead. Well, that's after I duct taped them together for a long time. But, but the words in it are important, absolutely important. But the book itself isn't, isn't, that, isn't that way. The book holds the, the word of God, but it's replaceable. <laughs> and it's not, it's, not, it's not that great. Now, for those who can't do that, I have no problem. That's between them and God. But we don't. We want to be careful that we don't judge one another for how we deal it. I'm not going to sit there and somebody who lifts the book so high that this actual book is <laughs> so important. Praise God that they are that important and they're going to treat it real good. Uh, no, I'll get another book, but I'll still say that. <laughs> I'm not a junk collector. I get rid of junk, so. But it is one of those things that we look at. Verse two goes, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." which is the same thing, bless the Lord, and again, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many times do we forget the benefits of God and start taking them for granted? It is so easy to take his benefits for granted and say, well, this is, you know, God's blessing me, this is normal. You know, and once we start thinking in those terms, we no longer really concentrate on the on the blessings because we're starting to think it's normal and we forget what God is doing in our life very important forget not all his benefits we will cease to be thankful if we forget his benefits we need to be so thankful for God we have salvation how many of us as Christians take that for granted at times I'm going to heaven Okay, great. <laughs> Let me just go on. Uh, God has been meeting my needs. That's someplace we have to be very careful to stay focused on. It's a blessing from God. He is meeting our needs. Job is a great example of somebody that God says, I'm going to pull away your needs for a little while so that you can prove who I am to Satan and the, and the world. 
Job did nothing to deserve losing all of his benefits. Maybe he had forgotten. I don't know. He didn't seem to. But you know, God's, God's testimony of Job to Satan was, he's a perfect man that hates evil. What a testimony that he had before God, before that God placed before Satan, and Satan, well, well, he just he just loves you because you're protecting him so much. And he says, okay, you can you can do all these different things to him. What happens to us when when that same conversation goes on to heaven? Yeah, hey, that's a perfect person, one of my perfect children that hates evil. And then we go through a hard time. We need to keep remembering. We were under benefits. We were having good things happen. And it was all a blessing from God. If we lose it, it's still a blessing from God that he's letting us live. You know, I, it's kind of said kind of sadly, you know, you know, talk to us, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm above ground. Well, I can understand that if they really meant what they meant, <laughs> it would be good. I'm still alive. God's got a purpose for me on this world. Every morning I wake up, I am I'm looking for what God, God, why have you left me on this earth? Because you know when he's done with us, we get to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie was talking about Corey Ten Boom a little while ago that she, she'd heard her say that, you know, when she was diagnosed with a serious illness, the doctor wanted to take immediate action. She goes, well, I'm going to go pray about it. You know, God, do you want me to stay on this earth? We need to, especially as Christians, realize that every day we're here, God's got a purpose for us to be here. There's something that we're to be accomplishing. But when he's done with us, we get to go home. And I love the idea of focusing on eventually I get to go home. Eventually my days and time on this world are done and I get to return to where, go to where I'm supposed to be, where I'll actually feel comfortable and be home. How many of us as Christians have the really hard time with death? Because we see it as some kind of negative thing. And it is a negative thing if they're not saved. It's a terrible thing if they're not saved. Or if we don't know if they're saved. Okay, because there's no way we can ever be sure that somebody's saved. And there's certain, there are certain people you know and you meet that you go, this person seems to very much be saved. Even then, we can't know that they're saved. But there are people we meet that the spirit within us just registers with the spirit in them. And we look at them and say, this person's saved. And there are several people that I know that are like that. There are several people that I don't know. Especially when they say they're saved and they act like the, they act like the world, and I, then I look at this, and Jesus said, "In that day, many will say, 'Lord, Lord, didn't I?'" I am very nervous for those people because they seem to be good. They seem to be doing what God, you know, saying what they what they're supposed to say. But you look at it, and there's no life. God is very much given us life. And when I meet the people who says, God is changing my life, look at the changes, look at the growth that's happening in me, and I go on, I believe that person's saved. Now, can I say absolutely that they are? Well, no. But you start watching somebody over a period of years, and you kind of get to know whether they're saved or not, because they're, going, they're, they're following God, they're making the right decisions, they're making, they're making godly decisions. You see them, you see the 
the wickedness being worked out of them and more good being worked into them. And you go, that person seems to be saved. Well, I do know I'm absolutely saved. That's one thing I can know. <laughs> well, for ourselves, we can know. Oh, yeah. I have absolutely no doubt that I'm saved. Okay, I have seen God make such big changes in me and the love that he's instilled in me and the desires he's instilled in me. I am absolutely sure that I am in a relationship with the God of the universe. And I think most people looking at me over time would say, yes, you seem to be doing that. Yeah, she says no. Okay. (laughs) But can anybody else be absolutely sure that I am? No. And this is a relationship with the God of the universe that we're looking at. When you're in a relationship with the God of the universe, you know it. Mm-hmm. You know that you are in a relationship with the God of the universe. Because there will be changes. There will be conversations. There will be talking to you. There will be direction to you. There will be changes in your life that are really big that you didn't, didn't, you didn't orchestrate. They just happen. There will be decisions that you make that make no sense at all, but yet when you get done with it and look back and go, oh, that was the right decision, God. Okay, God, (laughs) I didn't understand it at the time when you told me to do it, but it is what it is. I'm not even sure about myself sometimes. (laughs) I will agree that that is the hard part, and, you know, we've got to be careful because when we start saying, you know, how are we saved or not, I know because I know the changes God has put in me. And I've told people straight up, if, if you look at your life and you cannot find any place where you are changing to be more godly or that he hasn't done some big change in your life at some point, then are you really a new creation and you have to really look at yourself and examine it? Uh, Paul told you, examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. Because... There are people that I've met in my lifetime that seem to have been on fire for God. I've met people that went to Bible college to become pastors and went off to become you know, preachers. And then you, you, find, you go look them up and 15 years later and it's like they're atheists or, or no longer serving God because of whatever reason. And you're going, what happened to you? Well, it was just, you know, and you find just that quick blaze and, and wonder if they were ever saved. And that's between them and God. I'm not their judge. And at the same token, if somebody had met me during my 21 to 23 years old when I had walked away from God, they would have looked at me and said, well, this is no Christian. Not that I was a real sinful person or anything, but they'd go, he doesn't go to church. He's not reading his Bible. He's not praying. He can't be a Christian. So we need to be careful of that judgment. Because if we. You can be a Christian. You can be a Christian and not do. Yeah. So we want to be very careful that, we're not, that we don't get judgmental of other people. But you know, if I meet somebody and I see no evidence of Christ in their life, I'm going to treat them as a non-Christian person and, and give them the gospel. Because that's how unsure that I am. I want to see, and you know, when I meet certain people and they show every evidence of being a Christian, and my spirit, the spirit in me, uh, witnesses to the spirit in them, I'm going to go, okay, as far as I can tell, this person's a Christian. And I've shared with you, when I, when I would go on different business events and stuff, and I didn't want to be there in the first place because all they wanted, most of the business events, amazingly, involve drinking and partying. It's a crazy world out there. And I'm going, God, I don't want to be here, but I've got to be here because you've got to play the political games and all that and be here. Yeah. And it's, God, I want, I want to meet some Christians. 
I need to meet some Christians that we can just hang out and, and God. And every time I ask that prayer, next thing I know, there'd be four or five of us Christians just can, you know, talking about God in the middle of all this craziness. And the Spirit witnesses, the Spirit comes across. And there's certain people you meet them and you just know that they're a Christian because your spirit just jumps out. It's kind of like the story when Mary went to, to visit Elizabeth and the, the baby leapt within her because it recognized what, it, what was going on in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm, the more we get sensitive to God in the spiritual realm, the more we're going to know what's going on. And it just takes time. It takes time. It takes time being in his word. It takes time being before his throne. To hear his voice is because I've heard his voice often enough that I know when he's speaking to me. Whether it's audible or an impression or, or desire. And I kind of go back all the time to the old telephones before they had caller IDs. When you, picked, you didn't know who was calling on the other end, you had to pick it up to find out who it was. And then you heard the voice of your, your best friend speaking to you. And you didn't know, well, who are you? <laughs> you know, you've talked to this person often enough that when you heard their voice, you knew who it was the moment they said one, wor one or two words. When we get so close to God, we will know his voice because we're used to hearing it. We're used to listening to it. And I've said, this, I don't know if I've said that around here, but it's always amazed me how a mother could be sitting in the middle of an auditorium, listening to a baby screaming in the, in the nursery and know which one was theirs. And be able to tell you exactly what the kid wanted. <laughs> now, that always amazed me. Lynn used to do that. You know, now they're just being grumpy. You know, or they need food. They need their, their, their diaper. She knew just by the way they were crying. And to me, it was just a bunch of noise. You know, I had to go in and find out what it, what's wrong. How do we do this? How do we know this? Because we're around them so much that we know them. This is how we get to know God. We bow down before him. We're blessing him. We're coming before him. And we hear his voice and know it. We know what he's wanting us to do because we are listening. And because we've listened often enough and we've been in his word and been talked to often enough, we start recognizing his voice. How do we hear his voice? Many times we have to slow down. This was the picture that the prophet had when, when God thundered at him and sent a, you know, sent a storm and his voice wasn't there and then it was the still small voice. A picture of oftentimes we just have to slow down and think about God. We have to concentrate on him for just a few minutes because there's too much noise around us. And I shared, I used to do that as a manager. There were times when all the pressures would be coming down and crashing on, and I could just feel myself getting away from God. And I'm going, okay, I need to, can I take a trash run? Can I go, if I couldn't do a trash run, can I go pick up the, the box of pepperoni and restock the station so I could just go back for a moment and go, God, I need, I need, your, need to focus on you. Slow down, listen to God. And when we feel rushed, when we feel, feel hurried, that's the time for us to just sit back for a moment and just call out to God, pray, sing, whatever it is that you like to do. I always preferred to just sing a song or something. You know, just a quick song to God. Great is, great is your name, uh, worthy is the lamb, whatever it might be. 
and just give a moment to reflect on God and just refocus back on Him so I could hear Him. Because it's so easy when we're in the middle of all the chaos to not hear and not listen. He doesn't want me to sing. He says, don't sing. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you, all the earth. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a loud noise. You know, <laughs> and rejoicing symbols. Yeah. God, God appreciates, appreciates the worship. <laughs> Even though we can't figure it out Hawaii, he, he, he appreciates it. But we take that moment, we sit back, and we refocus our life. And this is what we need to do anytime we're feeling overwhelmed, anytime we're feeling like everything is going against us, take just that moment, a quick prayer at the very least, and just refocus on him and you can, so you can start hearing his voice again. Because it's very easy to get stuck in the chaos. Very easy to get stuck in the, the emotions of the moment. And when we get stuck in the emotions of the moment, we're going to make bad decisions. We're going to do really, really crazy things. All right, we're going to stop there. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank for the opportunity we have to come before you. We ask that you just bless us as we go forward and about this day. In your son's precious name, amen.